listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, I thought when we first did this, it wasn't going to be a series, but I thought I might revisit the Alaska Howdy. <gasps> no way. Do you, tell, tell the folks what the Alaska Howdy is if they haven't listened to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the Alaska Howdy is Alaska gonna get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how we say hello. Yep. (laughs) I wanted to tell you about some more people who have gotten lost in Alaska Um. under bizarre circumstances. To contextualize Alaska. Mm -hmm. It's big. Yeah. Between the westernmost tip of the Aleutian Islands and the eastern edge of the Alaska Panhandle is the same distance as from California to Florida. (laughs) Stop it. Yeah, we cannot get our heads around how big Alaska is. Oh, my gosh. We just do not know. And in that distance between California and Florida, there are 1,332 law enforcement officers. Is that all? Yep. And about a third of them are working in in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. A few more hundred are around the towns and everything else, all the back country, has fewer than 400 people working it. Wow. So picture that. Picture if it was like the continental United States from California to Florida. I don't need to keep stretching my arms out. You do. It's not communicating this. You do. And there was like one town the size of, let's say, mm, I mean, how big is Anchorage? What? Anchorage. Spokane size. Probably half. Mm -hmm. It's got about 300,000 people. So, Oh, that is Spokane um, County. 300 people towns. So cities that also have about 300,000 people are nothing you've ever, ever heard of. Oh, okay. Wichita. Yeah. So imagine you've got a space from California to Florida. There's one town in it the size of Wichita <laughs> where you've got a third of the people. There's a couple other towns even smaller. Okay. And then you've got 400 people patrolling the rest of it. And the terrain <laughs> is so unfriendly. It's trying to kill you. He's actively the, the terrain trying is hostile. to kill you. It is. Yeah. You know, there's like, you know, oh, this is taiga, and this is forest, and this is rainforest, and this is plains. Yeah. Alaska is scientifically known as murder bitch. <laughs> it just wants you to die. Uh, it's like incredibly steep mountains and rivers that will flood hugely and suddenly. And yeah. Ice and canyons and crevasses and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and of course, they get forest fires too. So everything can change really, really rapidly. And Alaska is a lot to keep track of. In the... the establish... My my establishing shot of this film that I'm painting in your brain (laughs) with my words. It's beautiful. What were you going to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> in, and I may have already already said this on the show, so totally cut it if it sounds repetitive. But in the genre of Nordic noir, you know, like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and, and other books of that nature, one of the hallmarks is that the environment is a character. It's an active yes. force in this story. And I feel like every story with Alaska, it's the same fucking thing. The environment is always an extremely active participant in whatever drama is playing out. 
absolutely it is a character and I love I feel like when you talk about stories where the setting or the city is a character people tend to talk about like New York yeah or New Orleans or LA yeah and I'm like I don't know that we have a city in the Northwest that qualifies for that, but certainly Alaska. Alaska is a character. Alaska is, like, actively participating in shaping what's happening. You can't just do, like, whatever story you would do and happen to move it to Alaska. It is a different thing. Yeah. So, I have a couple people, and there's, like, no coherent thread through these guys for the most part, except that they're all missing. And in Alaska. Alaska. All right. Yeah. So one guy, actually, that I hadn't heard of was, he, he was from Spokane, and his name was Richard Lyman Griffiths. Mm. And he was an inventor, and he liked to try different stuff out. And around 2006, he goes up to Alaska because he's invented this thing called a wilderness survival cocoon. Which was oh like a bright orange pod slash sleeping bag. I couldn't find a ton of information on this. <laughs> so what you're telling me is that it doesn't work. It well, it didn't set the world on fire. That's for sure. Yeah, because um, uh, what is his first name? Richard, Richard. came up and said before he left. He said, "I might winter over in Alaska." Because, again, with the Alaska Howdy, there's a lot of not leaving a note that goes on. Where it's <laughs> people who already nobody's totally sure where they are from minute to minute. Yeah. And then they just peace out. And by the time anybody goes, where's Jamie? Mm-hmm. It's way too late. Way so, too late. He was actually, what I like, this poor shady article says, Griffiths disappeared into country far wilder than that along the Stampede Trail where Christopher McCandless died. Mm. And, yeah. Like, you can get to that bus and back when the weather is okay on, like, a day trip or two days, depending on how fast you are. I couldn't do it in a day, but... (laughs) (laughs) I like your honesty. (laughs) One can do it. (laughs) And he went... Much further up did Griffiths. Um, he had he paid for a bus ticket. He went north. Uh, he got dropped off by the bus along the Alaska Highway. He left some gear at a lodge by the White River. And then he said, I'm going to go upriver to McCarthy, which is this outpost town. Yeah. In the Wrangell St. Elias Park in Alaska to test out my cocoon. And that was it. No. Nobody has ever seen Griffiths again. Nobody has even ever found a piece of the cocoon, which sounds suspicious yeah. until you realize the park is the, is bigger than Switzerland. <laughs> Wait, what? This park is bigger than Switzerland. <laughs> the, an, an, an entire Switzerland. This park is bigger than it. I've never this park. No, neither have I. (laughs) He basically pieced out onto the moon. It's like probably (laughs) more people are on or near the moon at any given time than in this park. Like, the guy whose job it was to look for him is a ranger who works in a town that has 600 people in it. No, poor ranger. Yeah. So, like, what is that guy supposed to do with an area that's bigger than Switzerland and with no roads and worse terrain and weather? 
He is supposed to sit in his ranger station, use his binoculars, and go, can I see him from where I'm sitting? Nope. Then, yep. then fuck, the Alaska Howdy got him. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, maybe if somebody's gonna, like, take a helicopter over that for some reason, tell them to keep their eyes peeled. Yeah, look for bright like, orange while you're up there shooting wolves. Mm-hmm. Orange is a good idea. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. That was solid yeah. instinct. Yeah. There's, ugh, ugh. You can just, that's, I don't know. I know people can just disappear, and people do just disappear, Mm -hmm. even in other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. But the thoroughness of, like, it feels like an alien abduction sometimes when you talk about these guys. And, like, in that case, in Griffith's case, it's like, okay, obviously, he's like, I'm going to go test my survival cocoon. (laughs) And then he doesn't come back. And you're like, okay, well, I guess you tested it. I guess you tested it. And no one ever picked up the patent. That failed on Shark Tank, my friend. Yeah, exactly. But even with that, you're like, what happened so abruptly that you didn't have time to turn around and come back out? That, I think, is what's... When you just a moment ago said, you know, people disappear in the States all the time, but I feel like almost all the time it's it's because of foul play. Like, someone knows something, someone saw something, but it sounds like he just walked toward a tree line and then humans literally never saw him again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why wouldn't you double back? Why wouldn't you come back? And why... Like, why did you either go so far in that Mm -hmm. nobody's come across you, Mm -hmm. or you weren't that far in, but when you started to get into trouble, you didn't come back? Yeah. And it's partly just the sheer lack of people. Because, like, in, on, let's say, the East Coast, if you slip and fall into a river in a city, A, you're probably on security camera, and B, probably you're going to, like, wash up someplace. Oh, totally. Whereas if you do that in Alaska... Nothing. Mm-mm. So that was back in 2006. I'm just giving you, like, some examples. Presently, there are 3,000 missing people in Alaska. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, uh, wow. And, you know, that number is, of course, subject to all the concerns about data. Where, like, some of them, we have a pretty good guess what happened to them. Yeah. Some of some people who their families would consider missing yeah. are not. Some of them um, have left voluntarily. Some of yeah. them are runaways. But, <laughs> and some of them are people who got the Alaska Howdy. So, and some of them are people who, who like, this guy should have known. Right? Like, they, they, sh- they know oh, what they're yeah. doing. And yet it still happens. And that's oh, the yeah. exasperating thing. So... There's one guy, he, he was 60, he was a caretaker for a, a lodge on the north end of this giant park. Okay. Uh, and he disappeared in June 2009, and he posted a note where the the hunting lodge was, and yeah. he says, I'm going to go check on a cabin, because like, I guess there's cabins around, okay. and was never seen again. But when they found the note, when somebody went to check on him, he'd left bacon in the sink thawing out. He'd left a corral at the lodge open. He's someplace. Like, he clearly planned to come back. He was going to come back, yeah. Yeah. He he did not, like, I don't know. Like, I know, mm, content warning, when we talk about suicide, like, yeah. I know when people are going to take their own lives, it's not always logical. Like, people will brush their teeth before yeah. they kill themselves yeah. because it's habit. But this sounds not right. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. That sounds... But it's also just a, a rough way to die. 
Oh, God. Well, and there's so many. I mean, fell through some ice. He got attacked by a bear. He slipped and broke a leg and then died mm-hmm. of exposure and was covered in a snowdrift. He got lost and died in a snowdrift. There's just uh, whatever it was, it sucked. Whatever it yeah. was was probably drawn out. Exactly. I mean, like, I, I suppose you have an aneurysm and then fall over mm-hmm. in a snowbank. You had a heart Maybe attack. Yeah, exactly. A, a super fast heart attack. That's actually what happened to um, this guy whose name, in, it, it was in 2007, his name was Paul Scotch, I think. Okay. He was dropped off by an airplane in the park to have a couple days in the wilderness. Oh, wow. And when the pilot came back, he was gone. So his camp was still there, his medicine was there, and his gear was there, which was bad because he had diabetes, high blood pressure, and a thyroid condition. So he needed to take those medicines all the time. (laughs) Yeah, you did. And have food and water and stuff. Right. Eventually, they he's not considered missing because two years after he disappeared, they did find his body. Okay. Uh, he was about 12 miles away from the campsite. They it, they say from the way he was, like, positioned, it looks like he probably sat down to rest and just had a heart attack, which is actually oh. a decent way to go. You know, you're like, I love it up here. I'm taking pictures. I'm yeah. having a hike. Woohoo. Yeah. Uh-oh. Arm hurts. Yep. And then you're done. And then you're, you know? yeah. Yeah. I could put up with that. But that was pure luck because this park that has 10 million acres of rugged terrain. Oh, my God. Only gets 70,000 visitors a year, which sounds like a lot. But then you say (laughs) half of them just go to this one spot at the end of this road that's like it's an old mine that they can peek at. Okay. I mean, if you and told me 70,000 people will set foot in Switzerland in a year, I'd be like, fuck yeah. that. That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's not a ton. So let's do, let's see. So 10, I have a hard time typing in millions. Did I do this right? 10, zero, 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 zero. Yeah. So 10 million divided by, let's say, 35,000 people. Every person would have to search 286 acres when hey. they showed up. Wow, yeah. that's not happening. No, that's not happening. Mm-mm. They are so scattered. And so there's really not going to be people stumbling across this. I'm I'm relying here a lot on this great article from Anchorage Daily News called Missing in Alaska Without a Trace. Okay. And it makes the point that Great Smoky Mountains National Park in North Carolina and Tennessee is 20 times smaller but has 134 times as many people visiting every year. And there are still people who get lost in that park and are never found. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So there's some people who got lost in a park. So that's a little bit more understandable. Yeah. I feel like at least it's kind of into the wild, you know? Right. I know. they say. Yeah. You were Um, here. I know why you were here. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were here. We know what could have gone wrong for yeah. you. Like, you were out in the woods. This is pretty predictable. Yeah. What about a guy that disappeared during a 5K? A 5K is all? Mm-hmm. You've I'm run a 5K you, before. Yeah. Like, you can do a 5K just if, like, the restaurant you're hoping to go to for lunch is closed. Yeah. Like... Yeah. That's not far. That's like 3.1 something something miles. Yeah. So let's talk about Mount Marathon. 
I guess, is it okay if I move on to this bit? Oh, please, or? yeah. Yeah, this is all yeah. fascinating. Tell me about all okay, of them. Okay, cool. I feel like it's, it's more disjointed than usual, because sometimes all there is to say is, like, Auntie disappeared, and he also disappeared. Yeah, that's Tra-la-la-la. fine. La-la-la. No, this is like a buffet. We're sharing tapas, Liz. A tapas! Horrible disappearance tapas. <laughs> I'm so, terrible person for laughing. So, Seward, Alaska. Like, as you know, when we when we picked up Alaska from Russian, they called it Seward's Folly. I do have a small digression about William Seward. Because really? Because he was the Secretary of State for Abraham Lincoln. Seward was actually intended to be assassinated the same time as Abraham Lincoln. Nuh-uh. Because the plan from the conspirators was that they would take out, like, the whole cabinet, or at least the whole, like, top people. They take out the president, the Yo! vice president, and the secretary of state. <laughs> yeah. It's like Battlestar Galactica, where the uh, secretation, yeah. uh, secretation, the secretary Secretary's. of education is finally, yeah. oh, well, you're the highest ranking one. Six degrees exactly. of removal, but there you go. <gasps> yeah, they were like, we are going to take out everybody. So Seward had already had a bad April. He had been on a ride with his family through the countryside. Uh, the horse got excited. He got thrown from the carriage and he got really hurt, including having a broken jaw. Yikes. Which they actually put in a metal splint, Wait, which I think is bizarre. But how, I guess, what are they going to do? Plastic? Like, okay. Yes, yeah. It doesn't sound comfortable. No. But about a, a week after this, April 15th in the evening, a guy shows up at his house and says, oh, the pharmacy sent me with medicine and I've got to take it right to him. So the butler lets him in. The guy goes upstairs, pushes into the room and starts stabbing people. He stabs uh, Seward's son. He stabs the nurse. And then he stabs Seward three times in the throat and twice in the face. Are but you fucking serious? Luckily, the secretary has fucking metal on his face. <laughs> So he survives. <laughs> He's fucking barren <laughs> underbite in this thing. I <laughs> I, I, you don't plan for that. You don't plan you that don't. when you're going to go stab somebody, they're no. going to be already extensively injured and in bed, but also have armor plating on them. I, yeah. 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 <sighs> so, yeah, that was... Um, Part of the the evening in which this group tried to take out a lot of union leadership, but we never hear about it because, of course, Lincoln died that night, and then everybody's, like, trying to chase down John Wilkes Booth and stuff. Yeah, everybody in Seward's house survived, fortunately, but they were never quite the same. Like, that's obviously really traumatizing, but of all things, uh, that was kind of great. That they 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 were okay. I'd I'd prefer that. Now, what I want you to do is okay. I want you to Google Lewis Payne Powell, L E W I S P A Y N E Powell, and it might autocomplete like Lincoln conspirator. This is the guy that went and did all the stabbing. Lewis Payne Powell. Hey, I know, right? Hey. <laughs> So he's very... Wow. Yeah. He can stab me. <laughs> My goodness. We're looking a little weird. We're looking a little... A little Anton Chigar in one of these. 
Yeah. However, like, he's a little intense, intense in the face. Uh -huh. And as you scroll along, you'll see other pictures that, you know, further reveal that he doesn't have a ton of teeth and uh -huh. he's... You know, but this one picture where he's got like the cuffs on yeah. and he's in his like Abercrombie sweater. Oh my god! And he's just leaning against the wall, looking <sighs> right at the camera, like, "Yeah, I stabbed the Secretary of State. What you gonna do yeah. about it?" What I'm like, it? "All right, I'll buy your perfume line or whatever." Exactly. Yeah. What do you mean? What I'm gonna do about it? I'm gonna sit here for a while and think real hard about something else that I hope is real hard. Mm. Oh man, yeah. that is a daguerreotype that I would have put next to my bedstand. Right? Don't say I never gave you nothing. Like, <laughs> Thanks, So anyway, boo. that's Seward. That's Lewis Payne Powell. Lewis Payne Powell tries to kill Seward. Seward buys Alaska. Alaska has a town named Seward. Now we're back on track. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Seward has about 2,700 people who live there year-round. It's about 100-some miles away from Anchorage. The idea for it was that it would be like a gateway for the railroads, but, you know, the railroads are less central to how mm. Alaska works now, mm. and we've occupied and, you know, live in more of Alaska, so... It's not a huge deal, but it's still, you know, 2,700 isn't terrible for okay. Alaska. Uh, it's yeah. beautiful. And have you ever been there, actually? I know you've been to Alaska. I'm trying to remember. I've been to Sitwell, Ketchikan, and I mm -hmm. think Juneau, but oh, never okay. never Seward. Yeah. I want to I wanna go to there because I guess cruise ships do go up there and stop there. Oh, cool. So well, we, could be cool. We sure could have gone in there on port, but there were only three places. I, the bougiest thing I'll say to you this episode is when we did a cruise <laughs> of Alaska, we stopped in many ports, Liz, and I wouldn't know all of them by name, just the three <laughs> from which we departed. Hey, that's the thing that people should understand about living out here. Like, it takes us all goddamn day to get to the East Coast, but it's actually not that hard to get to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> or Alaska. Yeah. yeah, or Alaska. Yeah. You just take a boat. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, right near Seward, as in, like, on top of it, basically, is Mount Marathon. Okay. It forms, like, the whole western border of town is a big green pyramid <laughs> that, like, tapers up and is, like... Here, the, the article I'm reading says it is literally Seward's backdrop and backyard, its playground, constant neighbor, and companion. When you look to the western sky, it fills the eye. It refuses to be ignored. I just like that you were actually explaining to me what a mountain was. It's like a big green pyramid, <laughs> Devin. Oh, oh really? Says in the article. Tell me more. It's not like jaggedy. <laughs> it's like precise. It's like a mountain a kid would draw, you know? <laughs> An abstracted mountain. Hey, Devin, have you ever been here? No. Well, then you probably don't know what mountains are, so <laughs> no, let me you're, explain. You're right. It's a very minimal rendering of a mountain. Like you said, yeah. perfect. But, you know, it's not like around Spokane where it's just sort of like a, oh. a border that rises and falls. Yeah. Where you're like, is that a cloud? Is that a bunch of clouds? No, that's actually just sort of like a mountain range. So this funny. Is like, boom, kid style. Or like on some of our art where we're, where we've just got like triangles <laughs> with, yep. with, with snow on the top. Suggestive. Yeah. So in, on Independence Day 1909... Seward was a six-year-old village, okay. and it was full of miners and other badasses. 
and they were drinking. Kids are pretty badass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Kids are pretty badass. Kids are pretty badass. Because it's a homophone. <laughs> it's a homophone, Liz. Minors. Oh, I get it. Not minors, minors. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't funny the first time I said it. It wasn't funny explaining it. It wasn't funny the third time I had to explain it. But you'll keep it in. <laughs> I'm so mean to you. <sighs> anyway, okay. minors. Badass drinking anyway. minors. Badass drinking minors sitting around in a bar and presumably, if there's a window looking out the window, or if not thinking about this, you know, great green pyramid that, <laughs> that's looming over them like a boob they wish they could ever see again. <sighs> How sad it and was. somebody makes a bet. I bet you, you can't run up there and get back in under an hour. <laughs> and, and somebody says... I can do it. So <laughs> I'm sorry. He's wearing like wool pants and leather boots yeah. and like a, a, a white shirt. And he runs off and comes back and buys around for everybody. Yeah. That person was our friend Ryan. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and that was Rhino. And yep. <laughs> then he kept jogging and was like, what next? Yeah, what now? <laughs> what else can I run? What else can I climb? Yep. Yep. So he came back and bought around for the house. And of course, you know, they're taking his word for it because nobody was like up there going, oh, yeah, he made it. Nobody wants to do that either. That's fair. Yeah. But it becomes a tradition that every July 4th, people run up the mountain and come back, which they've named Mount Marathon. Okay. Now, it is not marathon distance to go up and come down. <laughs> it's somewhere between 3.1 and 3.5 miles. <laughs> so but, definitely Mount 5K sounds stupider than Mount Marathon. Yeah, exactly. Do you like marathon in the sense of something that's very grueling? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But it's just like, it's about a mile and a half up, little more than a mile and a half down if you take a different route because this thing is a nightmare really this is not like i've been on like pleasant 5ks where you're like running through the the woods or whatever yeah. and you're like oh no i better not trip on a trail route but this is like legendary after the iditarod it's the most famous race in alaska no way because it is so agonizing, because you run half a mile to the foot of Mount Marathon, and then you basically go 3,000 feet straight up. Fuck. Like, you're going up cliffs, mud, shale, and then as you come down, you're going, you're basically, like, falling. You're falling, yeah. Without <laughs> hitting your head. Yeah. And, and it's July 4th, but, like, you're running over snow, you're running over rock, there's waterfalls from the snow that's melting, <laughs> you're, like, trying not to, like, cause a, a shale landslide. Yeah. 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 Bones break frequently. Ew. <laughs> Blood is is a thing. Ew. Ah, uh, yes. So the guy who wrote the article went along with somebody who's done it a lot. And he, he grabs the writer's hand at one point. And he's like, do I see blood? And he's, oh, yeah, the mountain gets a piece of you every time. Oh, I like <laughs> so that a lot. This mountain is very committed to the Alaska house <laughs> lifestyle. Even though it's like half a mile away from a, a town, uh, it is very serious about this. It has the, the average grade... On the mountain is 38 degrees. 
<laughs> which is like a ski run that's 38 degrees. But as this article says, that's the kind of thing that's called like the Widowmaker. Uh, <laughs> on a ski run, yeah. Yeah. And then it's covered with mud. It's probably raining. And it, so it's like a slip and slide, basically. <laughs> They're like, you've got to put your hands on the mountain as you, like, climb yeah. up this thing. Oh, that's how we uh, go upstairs all the time. Sounds easy. That's kind of fun. I still do that yeah. sometimes, too. Yeah. Yeah. You're maybe, like, grabbing trees. You're, oh, man. Like, and then you're hoping that if somebody falls who's above you, oh, God. they don't take you out and a bunch of other people. Oh, God. Just this human cannonball down the mountain. Seriously. Like, it's a conga line that can turn into, like, an <sighs> unexpected bobsled team. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Next thing you know. Oh, yeah. Or, like, when uh, in, in Into Thin Air, when they're, like, if somebody is climbing the rope above you and they fall, it's like, well, fuck. I'm directly yeah. below them. Yeah, and, you know, 150, 200 pounds of people yeah. is about to just slam, slam into, into me. You. Oh, cool. Yay. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, it's a very restricted run. Like, getting um, the, the prize, if you win, is you are automatically, you get to come back next year. Like, oh, goody. they only let, yeah, this is, like, before Tough Mudder, before... Um, what the hell was that one I did? It wasn't the Dirty Dash. Butter. It was, like, easier. No, it was something like that, though. Like, any any of those mud runs or whatever. Yeah. This was what people loved, even though it was like, tra-la, I'm running down this mountain and I fell in, you know, six-inch, like, spear yeah. of shale is in my ass. Yeah. Like, hooray! <laughs> Huzzah! Yeah. Let's see. So this is from a... The Seward Fire Chief, who's been working this race as a paramedic oh. for 26 years. Dislocations, neck injuries, angry tattoos from sliding down snowfields. A woman rolled her ankle evading a bear. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bear on the mountain. And I love it because you're, I know like 364 <laughs> days a year there's nothing. And then all of a sudden a bunch of humans are like, wow! <laughs> Here we come. Now in this bear is like, what the fuck? God damn it. I was eating berries. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, compound fractures, brain trauma, lacerated livers. Like, people have gotten incredibly hurt on this thing. Yeah. People say if you're not bleeding from at least one spot by the time you get down, you're not trying hard enough. Uh, <laughs> Navy SEALs like to do this. Partly I like telling you about that just because it's hilarious to me. Oh, man. That there's a race based around how bad it sucks to run in Alaska. <laughs> like, here, here's what this article says. You must never forget that Alaska doesn't love you back. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah. that's a good tagline. The state that Isn't doesn't it? love you back. Mm-hmm. You love it. It's beautiful. It's wild. It's raw. It doesn't love you back. It doesn't. And the moment you forget that, it's going to kill you. Absolutely. It is like the sea. It's a harsh fucking mistress, y'all. Yeah. It is. That should be their new thing. Not like the frontier state or uh -uh. whatever, but harsh fucking mistress. Harsh fucking mistress is right. Yeah. So the way they do the route All right. is they will have somebody at the top with like a timing mat and he stays up there at the turnaround point. All right. To keep track of everybody. All right. In 2012. Okay. They're doing the race. 
And it's Alaska, and it's July. So it can be anywhere from, let's say, that time that 55 of the runners got heat stroke to high 40s, windy and rainy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heat stroke or hypothermia. Yeah, you get to pick, and probably it's going to be different at the bottom of the mountain than it is at the top. Oh, yeah. You lucky (laughs) so-and-so. So this guy was up you know, working the um, the race. They do a women's race and then a men's race. Okay. And race point is like a false summit. Like, you you don't actually go to the precise top of the mountain. Okay. They've picked, like, a good turnaround point. Okay. Uh, and so Walsh is there. This is his name. is uh, I should name him. Yeah, you should. Specifically, Tom Walsh, who's been doing this for 16 years, is up there. He's watching the racers come and go and, you know, shivering and is miserable. Mm -hmm. And he sees this guy straggle up and he says, I'm the last guy. And they're like, okay, they wait 45 more minutes and then they come down. Okay. Like, all right, that was the last guy. Sounds right. Here we come. Yeah. So the Mount Marathon course, like I said, it's not the same way up as down because among other things, like let's not run all the way over all the mud we just turned (laughs) up and let's not run into each other. Yes. (sighs) So he hikes down, but as he's hiking down, he sees another guy climbing up. Yeah. So he's like two hours out from the starting gun. Yeah. Which is not great time for this. Yeah. You like, you know, you remember the first guy did it in an hour. Yeah. The course record is 43 minutes. Wow. Which was actually a tie, which I think is so cute. In 1986, there were two guys who were like basically dueling to see who would win. Yeah. And then when they realized they were going to cross the finish line, they held hands and crossed it at <gasps> oh the same time. Oh my goodness. Not the cutest, so they both count that as a half win. That's really cute. Yeah. But, you know, two hours in is slow. So he sees this guy, and this guy is coming up, and he says, how far am I from the top? And Walsh says, about 200 feet. You know, like, he just started to come down. The guy says, can I still get a finish? And Walsh is like, yeah, go up to race point, you know, loop the rock and come back down. Okay. Um, like, he can still see the place where he left. Okay. And they can see Seward. So, like, they're on the mountain, but they can, like, hear the music and the firecrackers. Sure. They can hear the people that are already partying. Sure. Because of the marathon being over. Okay. Marathon, you know? Yeah. So, the guy is plodding along, and Walsh is like, yeah, just, like, go up there, turn around, like, come down, join the party. Yeah. And Walsh says, what's your bib number? And he says, oh, 548, and goes up. And Walsh is heading down, and he texts the race officials, bib number 548 is going to be home in about an hour and a half. Okay. That guy's name was Michael Lemaitre, and Michael Lemaitre never came back down the mountain. No way. Never. Hundred. Let's see. One and a half miles up, 1.6 miles down, hundreds of runners in view. Like, if you are watching this race, you can see them go. Yeah. Like, the mountain's just there like a backdrop. Yeah. So you're watching the runners go up and down. Hundreds of runners, thousands of fans, and he vanishes. What They the have sent mountain rescue experts, firemen, state troopers, search dogs, helicopter pilots, volunteers, his family. They have put thousands of hours into trying to figure out where he went. And they have never found a single clue. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Where right? 
It's a tiny... Where did he go? Where did he go? Fucking thin fucking air, dude. Yeah. Okay, so the timing yeah. mat is gone, so we have no way to know that he made it all the way to the top. Yeah. So one of the things that people are concerned about and that blame Walsh for and the race organizers for is, you know, Walsh himself is like, I should have either told him to turn around or I should have gone back up with him. Yeah. Right? Like, what they worry might have happened is that he got to race point and didn't know that was the turnaround spot <gasps> because the timing map okay. was gone. So maybe he kept going and got lost. Okay. So his poor wife is there in Alaska. Like she's there waiting for him to do this. Cause he's done this a lot of times. Like he was a, a regular oh, and wow. he loved running this. He twice. Let's see. Where's the part where it says that. Come on. Uh, oh no, wait, he had actually, I don't know that he'd done this before, but he had done the, I did a ski. Okay. Which is a 210-mile wilderness race where they drag their stuff on sleds like they're the dogs. <laughs> That's cross-country cute. Cross-country skiing. That's cute. Isn't it? <laughs> they're like, I'm the dog today. I, I hope do they it. wear little ears. I, yeah. Uh, I hope that the dogs get to watch. Yes. It's like our reverse octopus wrestling. Exactly. Song. That's exactly what it is. The dogs should ride in the sled. They should. Oh, why don't they? Oh, my. Because <laughs> they would get out and run because they're huskies. Because they're huskies. They're just, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So this guy's thing was, his motto was, fuck it, drive on. <laughs> that was his oh. motto. So twice in the I did a ski, he had won the Red Lantern, which is what you get when you're the last guy to finish. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're I the caboose. <laughs> you're the caboose. This guy had applied for... And won one of the lottery spots in the Mount Marathon. So, yeah. Let me just entirely correct that. This this was his first time up. Yeah. So, he would not have known. He sits there for the the safety talk. Like, he's in his 60s, but he's in good shape. Like, he's done a 12K. He's run hills. Yeah. Like, he's a fitness guy. And one of the things that I seem to remember from Born to Run, which we all read. Yes. And all got our Vibram shoes and ran around for a while. Yes. Is that running doesn't necessarily work like other sports, right? right? Like dance, you're not going to be dancing at 40 like you were at 20. Right. But some people, as they run, just get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or at least stay really good. Yeah. So um, one of the problems that starts is the guy who's giving the pre-race safety talk. Like they all sit down in the gym of the middle school and he's doing the spiel. He's like... You know, here's the things that can go wrong. Bears, rocks that fall, mud. The course is really slick. There's yeah. crumbling snow bridges that it might be, like, concealing running water underneath. Okay. And he tells them also about the important landmarks, including Race Point or the Turnaround Rock. Okay. And the safety video concludes with, you can't beat the mountain, but the mountain can beat you. Oh, my God. Now, one of the things that frustrates me about this is the guy who's giving the presentation says, has anybody not been up the mountain before? Because if you haven't, you should go home right now. 
you should not be in the race. This is the thing they're always telling people is do not make the race your first time up Mount Marathon. Oh. Like you should you should get to know this thing before you get your competitive brain on and when everybody else is there. That makes a lot of sense. Like come here early, come here before, just like get it figured out. Yeah. And Michael doesn't say anything even though he's never been up it before. What? Yeah. Michael and he says, you know, I'm going to be fine. So, you know, his wife drops him off. He's, she says, are you sure you want to do this? He says, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to take it slow. Don't worry. I'll be back. Oh, God. So he runs up and poor Peggy, two hours after Tim Walsh has, like, said, okay, he's going to be back down. Yeah. She's sitting in the parking lot, like, honking her horn to try to help him to try come to, down. Oh, God. Okay, I'm getting a little... Are you getting choked up? Yeah. Yeah. I feel so bad for her. Um, yeah. And the family reaches out to authorities, and they start looking. But at this point, you know, the sun's going down. Right. It's raining. It's freezing, because it was high 40s at best Jesus. that day. And at this point, they're having a really hard, doing, uh, a really hard time doing a search, because... Like, everybody had turned their back on the mountain. Nobody was watching it. Nobody was, like, watching this last man up to see where he went. They were all like, yeah, beer, food, fireworks, party. And nobody knows where he went. So they're searching for him with helicopters. They're searching for him with, like, volunteers with whistles. But he's already been on the mountain for 12 hours oh, God. dressed only in a t-shirt and shorts oh, and it is sleeting oh god so they're like oh shit this guy is gonna have hypothermia totally so the next morning you know people are searching everywhere because they're trying to figure out they're trying to think like he would think okay right they're okay. like okay did he go past race point and go too far and then like fall off something yeah. because he was on a path that he wasn't supposed to be on. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I've certainly like, even in like bowl and pitcher, I've oh yeah you know, miscalculated where I was supposed to be, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here, especially holding a five year old. Right. <laughs> like, Fuck, dude, you can do that. I'm, you can do that in Lincoln Park. You know. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not as far over as I thought I was. Yes, and it sneaks up on you. Yeah. Where, like, you think you're fine, and then all of a sudden you realize you're like, this path has been getting slowly narrower, and now I'm, like, 30 feet up, and I'm 300 pounds of beef on the hoof. Yep. And this path is 18 inches wide. I don't like this one bit. No. Should I continue, or should I turn back? Like, is it shorter to keep going, or what should right. I do? Right. So they're like, did he do that? Did he, like, run out over some snow that actually wasn't over ground? It was, like, over oh, one of the streams. Yeah. Did he panic? And because he could see the town, did he try to, like, come straight down instead of following the, tr- the track that oh, zigzags? No. Yeah. And... People in Seward are searching for days and days. You know, they are worried. They're like, this is our mountain. Yeah. This is our race. This is a guy, our guy who, like, came to do our thing. Yeah. And they can't find him. and oh, But God. they don't give up. You know, e- even his daughter comes up to search. She lives in Utah. She comes up and they're like, she she picks through bear poop. Yeah. Because she's like, if there's a scrap of clothing in here or, like, a little bone fragment. Yeah. This is going to tell me. Yeah, we'll know. But eventually, 
by mid-August. Oh, God. You know, it's gone all the way through July, halfway into August. Right. They call off the search. Right. They're like, we are not finding this guy. Right. We are now, we have risked a lot of people. People are getting hurt doing this. We got to stop. Right. At that point, it's blatantly obvious. Like, if they find him, they're finding a body. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not that big of a mountain. Yeah. If he was calling out, if he was trying to come down, somebody would have come across him. Right. But they haven't. So. Jesus. Yeah. So Marianne, his daughter, before she goes home to Utah, goes up the mountain one more time, comes up to race point, sits by the rock, cries, and then takes a tool from her backpack and carves, I love you, dad, into the rock. Oh, my God. Now I'm going to cry. I know. And she spent so much time on the mountain and in Seward at this point. And she writes to her friends, if this ends up being my dad's final resting place, he's happy here. Yeah. Yeah. And of course now we still don't have Michael LaMaitre. And it's one of those things where this case is so recent, you know, it was like what, six years ago that I keep feeling like it's gonna come back around Mm -hmm. like we're gonna hear about this Mm -hmm. he's gonna turn up at some point Mm -hmm. sometimes people don't turn up for 10 years or they don't turn up ever but he he feels like one where i'm like there's so many people going up that once a year it's so well known yeah i feel like he's gonna turn up but yeah i don't know but of course it, it turns into a discussion about the race itself Okay. Just like when people went missing looking for Forest Fence treasure. Yeah. That's an argument about should he cancel it? Should he, you know, turn this off if people got hurt? Yeah. Should he, he just, you know, call it off? Yeah. Um, and the race is trying to adjust for that. But, of course, their entire brand is yeah. this will kick your ass. This is going to, Yeah. Yeah. It's not any other 5K. Yeah. You know, it, any other 5K you can go to, but this is Mountain Marathon. Yeah. And it's intense. And I don't know, like some people are like, I'm kind of surprised this didn't happen sooner. Yeah. Like people have gotten really hurt on the mountain, but they've always come back down. But they've, yeah. Because they've always been on the track. So you know where they are and you can go get them. Like it's not Everest. Yeah, exactly. Like you can do a recovery effort if you know where people are. Yeah, for sure. So they've made some changes. Okay. Like, if you now have not gotten up to race point in an hour, they turn you around. That's fair. They're like, you're you're done. Yeah. This isn't happening. Yeah. One of the people who organizes it says, look, like, the only way you'll ever make this race safe is by not doing it. Yeah. Like, you can't put bumpers on this thing. Like, if you put helmets on it, then people are going to get hurt a different way. Like, if, like, like, you could pave this thing and people are still going to get hurt. Like, even if you cancel the race, people are still going to run. They're still going to do it. Yeah. 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 So, do it on a day when everybody knows to be paying attention, where you have paramedics ready, where you've got, like, yeah, if people are going to do it, like, make it as safe as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and of course there are people as well that blame him where they say we were unprepared for someone being that unprepared. Mm. And I think there is some fairness to say like 
they told him not to do it. Right. They didn't tell Michael specifically because they hadn't vetted him right. and, like, interviewed him. But this is Alaska. Right. This is the West, and this is not a place where they're going to, like, run a background check and, right. and verify your participation in 15 other races before they let you do it. No. They're just going to say, if you haven't done this before, don't make tomorrow your first day. And the mountain is hard. Like, that's entirely its reputation. Like, it's not like he got hurt at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. yeah. Where it's supposed <laughs> to be, like, safe and have bumpers. Yeah. Like, the entire appeal of the mountain is that it will kick your ass. Exactly. And it's in a state yeah. known for personal accountability, self-reliance, yeah. and yeah. owning your shit. These are not people who are going to tie your shoes for you. They won't even tell you that your shoes are mm -hmm. untied necessarily. Exactly. Like, this is especially, I mean, in the Northwest in general, I feel like, and also in, like, country. I, I like, associate that as a country thing. Totally. Where it's, like, you know, don't, like, we, we don't have to put up cones around, like, the hole. Just look where you're going. Just look where you're going. Uh, right. Or, like, people, when they come out here, God love it. And they're, like, why are there no guardrails? And it's, like, because it's your job not to drive off yeah. the cliff. <laughs> yeah yeah we might put some up if like the curve's really tight but we got a lot of land and a lot of roads and not a lot of tax base so yeah exactly we we use the the traffic safety protocol of look at what you're doing and you know yeah exactly because so, the tax dollars of both people who live in montana this year had to go to paying the oh fire God. department there's no way Seriously. we can pay to do all of it all the time yeah Oh, Lord, right? What this writer says, this was a great article that I'm using mostly, it is um, an article from Runner's World called The Last Man Up. And the Runner's World and Outside Dude. are surprisingly fantastic sources of, of articles, right? They really are. Well, that Outside was what John Krakauer wrote for, right? Yeah. Yeah, and still does occasionally. Outside is fantastic. And I, I wasn't expecting this from Runner's World, but it's yeah. a really, really good article. And I'll share it so people can see it and also see how often I've just been like, if I if I read a list at any point, it was their list. It was theirs. Know? Yeah, nice. But here's what he writes at the end. There's a brutal fairness to this sentiment. You know, the sentiment being like, you bet against Alaska, Alaska won. Yeah. Um, but I left these conversations feeling that it's too easy to write off Michael Lemaitre as careless and reckless. Mm -hmm. How many of us have had near misses, the somersault over the handlebars 10 miles from the trailhead, or the mini avalanche deep in the backcountry, and then laughed about those epics around the campfire later when all was well? Have you ever thought how close you've come to disaster? We all have a strange friendship with risk. We crave its thrill. Who doesn't want to edge a little closer to the red line where the adrenal gland squeezes and the colors grow brighter? Yet we rarely understand how close we've skirted that line or what's on the other side. Accidents? Those happen to the other guy. Nobody ever laces up his shoes thinking he'll lead off the 10 o'clock news. Does that make us all irresponsible? So now you're Michael Lemaitre towing the starting line last July 4th. He wrote this in 2013. Mm -hmm. You haven't been up the mountain and you're a little nervous. Then you look up and you see the peak so close you can almost reach and tap its summit. It's just three measly miles round trip straight up and down again with hundreds of new best friends. You've been through so much more than this. Take it slow, you think, and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if you were Michael Lemaitre at the starting line, what would you do? 
And I thought that was a really kind assessment of, of what happened of like, look, especially if you are like an outdoor person, if you're an extreme sport person, even if you're not, we all have gotten away with shit that could have killed us if it went wrong. Absolutely. You know, we're all here by the grace of luck, God, and Darwin, right? Right. It's just the things have worked out and it's really easy when something bad happens to somebody. And I feel like it has that in common with like true crime. And when we talk about serial killer victims, we want to say like, Oh, I wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. So it's partially their fault. Right. And it's a way of saying that couldn't happen to me. Right. And I think what the writer here has done a really nice job of saying is he took a risk, but we all take Mm -hmm. risks a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. We don't get away with them because we're a better person than Michael. We just get away with them. We just get away and with he them. Didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh I mean, even the small, like, fuck, I back out of my driveway not wearing my seatbelt. I know I'm going to put mm-hmm. my seatbelt on the moment I'm not backing out, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's it's like that calculated risk that you're taking. And the one day that it doesn't work out for me, it'll go very wrong. Yeah, or, like, the one time when you're, like, oh, I can look down and, like, I don't know, change the music that I'm listening to. Like, you got away with it because nobody was driving, nobody was driving recklessly at that exact moment. Exactly. I have another story that I want to tell you about missing people in Alaska. Oh, my goodness. But I'm actually going to wrap up here because... We promised ourselves this season we were going to do less marathon episodes, actual marathons, and actually, like, let it turn into a two-parter when it needs to. <sighs> so I'm going to do that. So I'm going to outro us. You are the queen and then, of whew. the cliffhanger. Everybody take a breath. We're not in Alaska, unless you are. But you're <laughs> probably not on a mountain right now. Probably not. Fighting a bear. If you are, that's pretty cool. You don't know me. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know where people listen to this show, but take your headphones out if you're dealing with a bear. You should probably do that. Um, or let it listen, and we'll make soothing, calming noises. <laughs> Shh, bear, it's okay. Go eat a berry. Go eat some salmon. This is where Liz does salmon her, is delicious. her ASMR for bears. <laughs> Pilot episode. Uh, okay, so people can join us on WeedJabrods.com on iTunes and Podbean. I think last time I did the outro, I said people should subscribe. I'm going to suggest again that people go back and do a review if they haven't. Yeah, so give us a review if you haven't. Why not? You know, uh, it, it helps us and it's only going to take you a couple minutes. And even if you want us to say thank you, just tell us that you did and we'll be really appreciative. That would be cool. You can go and chat with us if you want to say that or anything else on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Those are good resources. And in the meantime, I always say in the meantime, in the meantime, I, I, it's like until I see you again, here's your yeah. here's your assignment. Yeah, exactly. But no, all your life. I want you to live weird. <laughs> to die weird. Yeah, and stay weird. That's your real That's assignment. That's your I was like, the stay weird is all your life. The live weird is all yeah. your life. The die weird, Liz, that only happens once. Not the way I do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of those things I say that doesn't make any sense. Like, time's going to tell on that one. <laughs> time's going to tell who? What is it going to tell? No, what do you mean, not the way you do it? How do you do it? I don't know. Oh, man.